We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. Hey, 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 welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Onlico, joined by Matt and Jordan. Fellas, how are you doing after a very exciting and, might I say, good week of football? I'm good, man. It's good to be back on the show. I'm sorry that I had to uh, duck out last week. Um, got a little caught up with some traveling for my real-life job that pays the bills, so... Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back with you guys, and I know that we have a jam-packed show this week, so I'm ready to get back in the groove. Oh yeah, we've got we've got a lot of a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, before we jump into that, all Matt, how are you doing? Uh, I'm wonderful. Uh, we're coming off of a week where uh, Michigan got embarrassed, and there's a lot of public discussion about firing Jim Harbaugh. So, as somebody who said that they were going to be super overrated this season, I'm thrilled. Yeah, as well you should be. As well you should be. I uh, we'll talk a little bit about my uh, my overrated team that I had going into the season in a little bit here. But it's kind of crazy to think that like Jim Jim Harbaugh was was coaching in a Super Bowl like what five six years ago, and and now he's the coach of a very terrible Michigan team. I mean, am I over? Am I overstating that? Are they terrible? I feel like they're kind of terrible. They've got problems. I don't think they're terrible. They've got problems though. They they do have. 
They do have problems. I don't think they're terrible. And this is coming from the biggest Ohio State homer that you guys could find. Um, I do think that they swung and miss with Shea Patterson. They thought that they were getting an elite college quarterback and he's just not. He has real issues as an actual passer. So I think that they are kind of stuck and now they're in this like middle period on their defense where it can't be the strength of their team, but their offense isn't to the point yet where they're going to score enough points to make up for it. So I think this is just, I actually think this is a one-off year. I'm really terrified of them next year when they're some of their like five-star players that they got from this past season actually develop a little bit more. Yeah. And in the short term, they're in a, they're in a good get right spot this week against Rutgers in a game that we're probably not going to talk about, but if we're, just looking very narrow, um, you know, this is about as good of a bounce back spot as you can get. You don't know how bad I want to lock that up the other way. You're <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Uh, that's great. I, uh, I have a confession of my own to make. I saw zero football on Saturday. I was up in the mountains in, on, uh, in, with, in the Western Slope here in Colorado hunting uh, with my brother-in-law. We went bow hunting and I got myself uh, – my first ever buck, my first ever anything, to be honest with you, uh, it was a nice uh, 10 point buck. It was pretty epic. Uh, bow hunting is, it's ridiculous. It's such a, it's such a thrill to like get up that close to one of these animals. And then, yeah, so eh, I'm sure uh, Peter will be calling me and, and uh, yelling at me for uh, <laughs> trying to kill animals or, and, and successfully killing animals. But uh, this is a weird discussion, knowing that you're a pacifist also, <laughs> that you're just like hunting, totally cool, but <laughs> Well, I'm not a vegetarian, so like, I mean, if I, I, eat I get meat, it. I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I I totally get it. Well, to be honest with you, like when it started, like before before I'd ever like I went hunting last year and didn't kill anything, didn't didn't even fire my bow actually. Uh, and so this year, I was like, man, I have a good feeling about this. It's going to be awesome. My brother in law had just got an elk like two days earlier, so I knew there was animals up there, and um. And we had an elk and a and a buck tag, so so we were good to go. And I was like, okay, I I feel like if I get something, it's going to be like this really like spiritual moment and this this real like aha thing and this reverence for this. But there was none of that. Like I I let go of the arrow and I just had this rush of adrenaline. I was like, I am a man. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, I, I felt like a bit of a, a bit of an asshole after the whole thing, but uh, at least I've got lots of meat for my for my family. You know, I. I provided some food anyhow. Um, so yeah, all that to say, I didn't catch any football on Saturday. I did watch a couple of the games um, later in the week and I wanted to jump into the game. I watched pretty much every moment of, and that was Texas, Oklahoma state. We're going to get into a little bit uh, just so all of you know, we have a great show for you today. Got a lot of good stuff. We're going to get into some Debbie stuff here off the top. We're going to talk about the tight end position. We're going to jump into uh, reviewing last week's locks as well as, looking at week five and some of the games we're, we're most excited about. And then of course, give you our picks for this week. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Texas game uh, real quick because I was super impressed with them. I did pick them to, uh, to cover, which, you know, I rarely get one, right. So when I do, I have to, uh, to dance around a little bit because it's a, uh, it's a rare thing, but, but when I was listening to it, so another thing real quick side note, I usually watch uh, when I usually watch football, my family's all at home and they don't like sports. Uh, especially my wife. So I usually watch on mute. So I never actually hear what the, what like Kurt, Kurt Herbstreet and all those other boys are saying. 
And so I just have my own little commentary going on. But this time, everyone was out of the house. I was watching completely alone. So I had it like the volume up. And I was kind of surprised at Herb Street's um, analysis of the game. Um, at one point, it was first and goal. Uh, Texas was up and he was saying, man, I wish Ellinger would just lower his shoulder and and pound it into the end zone. That next play, Ingram gets the ball and runs up the middle for a score, I believe. And I was just thinking, like, is that common for for people to want their quarterback to to run to to bull rush into the defensive line uh knowing that he is pretty much their offense i I just thought it was surprising and if i was a texas fan i certainly wouldn't want ellinger doing that on first and goal every time yeah i mean i would think that you would want to protect your qb a little better than that i'm kind of surprised that you'd want him to like get diving in there but he is he is unique though I mean, he's he's like a unique type of quarterback. But I agree with you guys. I mean, if I'm a Texas fan, absolutely not. But I mean, if you're someone who's like an outside observer, especially like an informed one who knows about Ellinger and how he can run the ball, I can kind of see like the logic. But I, I think it depends on your point of view. Um, but I also if- think their backup quarterback right now might be also be their backup running back. Like they, it's not like they have huge depth at the position. So. Yeah, I I mean, I think you're right in saying he gives them like the best chance to win by doing these things. At the same time, if he goes down, they're SOL. Right. I could get it if it was like game on the line, second, third and goal with, you know, a minute left. You need you need a score to win. Sure. Yeah, it's worth the risk there. But when you're already up, I think they were up like eight at that point or something like that. They were they were in in control of the game for the most part. And Still had three more downs after that one. I was just surprised. Um, in general, I thought the game was 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 pretty entertaining. One of the the funniest things to me it was um, uh, Oklahoma State had the ball. Uh, they were down thirteen with four minutes left, and they decided to punt the football. And I was like, "What the hell are they doing? This is so stupid! You got to go for it here." And then <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this, but the the Texas returner muffs the return. And Oklahoma State gets the ball back and then drives down the field. It's third and 10. And they're just running the football, running the football, running the football because they don't want Sanders to to screw it up for them. And it's third and 10 with a minute 39. They're still down 13 and they decide to run the ball. And I'm thinking, what the hell are they doing? And then somehow Chuba gets into the end zone and scores. And I was just like, what is going on? This is like they're making all the wrong calls and it's just working out for them. Uh, I think my favorite part, though, was Herb Street yelled Chubbard instead of Chuba. Hubbard and I thought that, that that was pretty epic. So uh yeah, I, I enjoyed the game though. Uh did you guys get get a chance to watch much of it? Yeah, I actually saw a good chunk of it, not the whole thing, but um I thought overall the game was pretty tight. Um I think they had the same number of first downs, a real close total yardage uh total. So right. I mean the the box score says that this was a real tight game as it was on, you know, in the final score. Um and Oklahoma State just always has a way of either hanging or just outright beating Texas. It's just kind of their M.O. And I think, you know, the game being in Austin definitely helped Texas. And I think that Ellinger was, you know, as we probably could predict, was the better of the two quarterbacks, um, more experienced and probably more talented at this point. But Sanders, you know, the arrow is pointing up. And, and I think that Oklahoma State is still a dangerous team despite losing this game. Yeah, I mean, the big difference was, you know, Texas was getting touchdowns and Oklahoma State, when they got in the red zone, was kicking field goals. And that's that's not a great recipe when you're you're in a shootout with uh, with a team. You don't want you don't want to be getting those field goals. 
but let's um, let's kind of transition here to something I wanted to talk about. Uh, after I watched that game, I watched a little bit of College Football Live, and the boys on ESPN were talking about the uh, the whole transfer portal and what was going on, and uh, talking about uh, how the Houston quarterback Derek King decided to redshirt um, after playing four games this year, and they were slamming him. And we're just talking about how, well, I guess uh, uh, Pollock wasn't, um, but Galloway certainly was. And just saying how he's quitting on his team and all this kind of stuff. And I got a little bit outraged by it. And I need you guys to either affirm my perspective or just talk me down a little bit because I was getting pretty angry. Uh, To me, I like so much is stacked against these players. I know they get to go to school for free and all that kind of stuff, but they're not getting paid. NCAA is making so much money off of them. The universities are making so much money off of them. I am all about the player doing what's best for for themselves. And if if he thinks that that redshirting this year and then either either coming out next year when uh, the wide receiver Corbin's out again, or um, if he decides to transfer, like to me, he needs to do what's best by him because he's only got a limited shelf life in 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 college football. So, uh, Matt, I'd love to hear your perspective on this because I know you are uh, you, you look at the game. Uh, you you are more informed on college football than I. So I'd love I'd love to hear your perspective. So just and I'll take that it's two different routes. Um, with King, I kind of think he he almost has to transfer. As much as like I don't I don't think he quit on his team. I don't think um, it's this negative thing around him choosing to redshirt. It's just sort of weird that he would redshirt uh, midway through this year, kind of forego this season to play with the exact same thing next season. So I kind of think he almost needs to transfer. And I almost wonder if they're kind of just going through a feeling out him and Corbin are kind of like having discussions before they make the full leap into the transfer portal and have their scholarships pulled because that's the downside to the transfer portal is that when you enter it, the school has the right to take away your, um, your scholarship. So they can actually remove you from the program once they do that. Right. So, um, but as a whole, I think the transfer portal is great. Um, I'm a big fan proponent of it. Um, and I say that as a fan of a team who just lost a top 100 recruit this week. Um, we lost Isaiah Pryor, who that might not be a name people are familiar with, but he was a high four star player when he uh, came to Ohio State. But he was a third string kid, not going to get enough playing time. Uh, and for whatever reason, he, and I know in this case, I know the reason. He he didn't think he was going to have his best opportunity to make the NFL with this team. And he's he would play in 90% of Power 5 programs. So he's making the decision to make a leap to another school. So I'm all for it, it with these kids. Give them a, the, the opportunity to go into the portal, explore their options. And you know what? If they're a good enough player, the coach is going to want them back. They're not just going to kick them off the team. Um, with King, right. it, it does sort of feel like he and... Dana Holgerson kind of butt heads a little bit. It doesn't seem like they're on the same page. And I do wonder if, yeah, he's saying all the right things right now that he, and I say all the right things, but he is making, he's saying that he's going to return to the team. I kind of just don't see that happening. I think that like in about two to three weeks, we're probably going to have, he's, he's going to put enter his name into the portal. We're going to see him go to a team like, I don't even know. Uh, at this point, we're going to see him go to like a, I don't think he's going to Oklahoma. Sorry to everyone who wants that joy, but I could see him going to like, go to Arizona, go to um, any number of programs, even like a Nevada. He goes there and he becomes their starter and just has a, a fun year with another team where he 
he gets along better with the coaches. So uh, he'll be interesting. He's he's a unique case because it's very rare that you get a kid that just says I'm redshirting when he's seemingly completely healthy, but maybe he's just thinks this is a lost cause with Holgerson right now. Well, what do you, what do you think, Jordan? I mean, I generally agree with what Matt said. I, I just, overall, I think that it's kind of presumptuous of anyone on the outside to assume that they know what is the correct or incorrect decision for someone else, just really in general. But I mean, particularly in this situation where, you know, a spectator from the outside does not know all the ins and outs of what's going on behind closed doors, what's going on with that, with that, with that kid's family, what's, what's happening, you know, what their drive and motivation is. They know none of that. They, they, they make assumptions and they, you know, talk about the, you know, the glory of the game and all this stuff, but they don't really know what's going on. And typically 99.9% of the time, I'm going to side with the player when it comes to this type of situation. Uh, it's the same in the NFL. And to me, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, there, you know, there, there will be outlier situations, but typically I'm always going to side with the player because they're really the ones with less control. And if this is a way f- to give them a little bit more flexibility in trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve, I don't really see any reason to stand in the way of that. Yeah. All right. Good. So at least at least the three of us uh, pretty much uh, agree on that. that. That makes me feel like I'm, I'm not quite as um, out of touch or crazy or not just not some crazy all. lefty, li- not some crazy lefty liberal with my uh, with my, you know, millennial heart. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we can we can move on. I am European, a pacifist and a deer hunter. So <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's jump into some Debbie stuff here. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit about the tight end position uh, for a couple of reasons. One is it's just kind of a weird year for tight end around college football. Um, we've got a couple of Pac-12 guys leading the way when it comes to uh, just touchdowns and yards and receptions, stuff like that. But before talking about the specifics of college players coming out or potentially coming out soon, um, I wanted to get your just strategy behind the position because uh, what we've all been led to believe, uh, and I believe there are uh, numbers uh, to back this up, analytics that back this up, is that uh, breakout age for tight ends in the NFL is typically year two or three. It's it's not usually a rookie that comes out of college that, that sets the world on fire. There are a few exceptions, of course, but but for the most part, it's a position that takes a while uh, for for players to adapt to the NFL, uh, whether it's scheme or I'm, I'm, I don't know all the reasons why I just know that it's a, that it, it tends to be that way. So, so with that in mind, does that make you devalue the tight end position when you're uh, drafting your, your Debbie team, or is it something that you just have to take a longer approach and sure uh, you may grab whichever tight end it is that, that you, you like the best that year. Um, Knowing that you're going to like a Hawkinson, for example, who had a great first game and is kind of, you know, the last couple of weeks disappeared. But you grab him early and say, yeah, I know I'm going to have to sit on this player for the next two years. But once he finally breaks out, it'll be worth it. Or do you just find yourself avoiding the tight end position altogether and focusing more on the other? So, uh, Jordan, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah. About the tight end position in uh, in Debbie drafts. Sure. I obviously to preface this, I think it depends on the scoring settings. Obviously, tight end premium has been picking up a little bit more steam in recent years across all formats, which helps drive up the value of the position to hopefully make people 
pay more attention to it and not just punt, which is typically the way to go in non-tight end premium leagues. So that's obviously a consideration. But I typically agree with pretty much what you said about how uh, you know the data and everything points to tight ends taking longer to, de- to develop and make an impact in the NFL. So I think you really kind of have to take the approach and where obviously based on what your roster, you know, how you're constructing your roster, you do need to keep in mind that you probably can't expect mega production from even the top end talent at the tight end position in college right away. Um, Like it kind of makes me think that there are ways for running backs and wide receivers to be, like a transcendent fantasy asset at a young age, but it's so rare that we see that at tight end. Um, Like Noah Fant and Hawkinson, who you mentioned, were both really high-level prospects coming out last year. And like you said, aside from that first game, Hawkinson has just kind of floated back to earth, and Fant obviously is not in the greatest situation um tied to Joe whoa 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 come on (laughs) I mean Flacco Flacco is afraid of throwing the ball I hate he's afraid of throwing (laughs) the ball more than 10 yards downfield so I mean I guess if you're looking for close to the line targets you know that could be helpful but well I was kidding I hate Flacco I hate Flacco (laughs) (laughs) for as far as as that quarterback goes I just know living in Denver oh yeah, yeah I have to pretend to at least yeah, at least care a little it's, bit, but I don't. I, I yeah, and and Fant like he's. I I think that he has the makeup to be like a very high level tight end in the right situation given the right opportunity, but I do also think that it's a little bit of uh, schematic, like you discussed as well. Um, it it sounds kind of square, but I think a lot of times tight ends coming into the NFL maybe we're not asked to block as much as they will be when they get to the NFL. Again, landing spot dependent. But if you're almost primarily a receiving tight end in college and then you jump to an NFL team where the coach just doesn't really care and he's trying to jam you into a position that you might not totally be comfortable with, if you struggle, you might fall into the doghouse, whether that's good or bad. It's just kind of tough. So, I mean, overall, I guess typically what I would try to do is, you know, in in Dynasty in general, I'm I'm usually – like team old tight end if I can um, just tip just yeah. because of all the things that we mentioned that it takes time situation matters uh, scheme matters even if you're what looks to be like a truly tan- transcendent talent at the position cool yeah no that, that makes sense I wanted to ask you Matt just about some of the tight ends that are actually performing I know Grant Calcaterra was someone that we we were talking about quite a bit last year for Oklahoma. He hasn't really done all that much this year. Like just looking at the tight ends uh, position and the, and the leaderboard uh, you got to scroll quite a ways before you see his name, but t- two guys. I and mean, we also mentioned Brevin Jordan, who, who he's up to 233 yards on the year, but still only has that one touchdown that he had uh, week one that, or excuse me, week zero that we discussed. Uh, but two of the tight ends that are, 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 doing really well. Uh, Hunter Bryant for the University of Washington. He is uh, tied for for first in NCAA with 285 yards, only has one touchdown. And then Jacob Breland for my Oregon Ducks is up to five touchdowns on the year on 18 receptions. Uh, pretty crazy numbers. Are either of these guys or or are there any other guys that you're excited about uh, that you, you think uh, – could be if you have a deep enough Debbie roster uh, worth stashing and, and holding on to and seeing if they pan out. 
I think Bryant's a, a pretty reasonable guy to be targeting. Uh, he's probably owned in a lot of Debbie leagues because he is a he was a well known player and he was a pretty high level prospect. Um, and the fact that he's performing this year is a positive. the The problem I have with really spending too much on uh, tight ends is kind of what Jordan said is it's typically a lower scoring position unless it's a uh, tight end premium league once you actually get them to the NFL and then they do take a while to break out um, I, I I do like Brian I think he's okay um, I don't know enough about Breland to really make a big statement about I think him. it's all scheme I, I don't I don't think I mean I, I love him but I don't think he's got game in the next level <laughs> personally the guys, the guys that are a little bit lower that I think um, you might be targeting next year in Debbie drafts, just in like your last round pick uh, that I, I have a little bit of hope for. I like Matt Bushman out of BYU right now. He has 15 receptions for 208 yards and a touchdown. It's pretty solid. Um, and then the guy that is, uh, I think he probably is owned, um, but he was probably acquired pretty late. Um, Harrison Bryant is the leading receiver for this Florida, uh, pretty terrible Florida Atlantic team, but he's basically their biggest offensive weapon. He's the guy that I'm, um, finding myself, uh, pretty intrigued by. And I think he's going to be someone who I'm looking at in dynasty leagues next year is just a, put him on my bench and stash him because he looks like he's at a minimum, a really quality receiver. Yeah. Um, and there's no relation between him and Hunter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Um, Cool. Uh, Jordan, what, anything to add about any of these players? Uh, no, I think he covered a lot of the, the top names. I would I would only add Josiah DeGoria, who is plays at Cincinnati. Um, it, Cincinnati has kind of been a bit of a mess on offense this year, admittedly, but um, there are times where he looks like he's probably their best option in the passing game, and I think that he has the size and hopefully the athleticism to maybe make the jump to the next level. But he's kind of, again, sort of like Matt mentioned, like a like an end-of-the-bench guy who hopefully can find the right spot and maybe eventually crack, um, you know, relevance, essentially. But he's just another guy that's kind of on my radar as well. And then two other names, actually, I, I want to throw out there. Um, Jared Pinkney? Pinkney? I don't know. How to, I'm probably going to miss with Vanderbilt um, coming into this year. He was actually seen as probably one of the higher end tight ends coming into this solid receiver uh, hasn't been performing as well, but the team's also just trash. So I'm not really putting a lot of stock into it, but he'll be an option later in draft. And I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize to uh, him in advance, but Missouri's tight end. Albert yeah. Aqu- 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 <laughs> yep, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance, but he was a guy that was a, he was another one. He was a pretty highly regarded player coming into this year. Um, Ten receptions, 157 yards in the big key, and that is is also four touchdowns. Right. He is a very critical part of that Missouri offense. So those are just guys to keep an eye on. Um, for Debbie, they're, most of these names are probably guys that be, if they're deep enough Debbie drafts, they're probably guys that people already stashed. Might be worth throwing out an offer for him because – in Debbie leagues, you also get the desire for new. So people are, if you offer out a mid round pick for their tight end, that isn't going to hit for three years. People might be a little more intrigued to buy into just getting a pick. So it's just worth taking a shot on them. Um, but yeah, I think this is, it's going to be an interesting uh, draft class next year for the tight end position, because I think there are quite a few guys that are in the, mold of receiving tight end first so the Evan Ingram types and it'll be interesting to see if they test out 
really well athletically, they may actually boost their stock pretty well. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, Hunter Bryant is one of those guys who he's just an athletic specimen. He is, he's an impressive dude. So he is someone that I could see testing out. Well, I mean, he's a, a former four-star recruit. Um, and he was fifth, fifth, he was the fifth head in the class, but he, he, uh, he's been amazing outside of, of course, when he missed a lot of time with, a with knee injuries. So if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be, he'll be pretty exciting. Um, and he may not pan out, but I think he's going to, he's going to test really well at the combine when he does uh, end up going there. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, but let, let's move on here. We've got a lot to cover. Um, but before we do, I would like to just talk to you guys. Actually, I'm not going to talk to you because I don't want to lie to you guys. I've got a crazy beard on my face and I don't shave because I'm an animal. Uh, but Matt, you do. So, so yeah, both of you two have full beards and, uh, sort of unfortunate because you don't get the joy of uh using a good razor and harry's out there as one of the best razors so what all of our listeners out there should do is they should join the 10 million who have tried harry's and you should claim your special offer by going to harry's.com backslash blue wire um why should you try harry's try harry's um harry's founders were just two regular guys getting tired or ripped off and paying for overpriced razors harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price it's just two dollars per blade if you don't love your shave let them know they'll give you a full refund. And this fall, refresh your wallet and your face by getting the Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for ergon- or for easy grip, a five-blade razor and with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a closer shave, rich, sha- uh, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover that'll keep you- your razor dry on the go. So listeners can redeem for their trial set. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your offer. Let them know that we sent you for to help support the show. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was talking to uh, the guys in the baseball podcast yesterday and, and Jake, he swears by Harry's. He was like, Oh, this is so awesome. I love Harry's. Let me talk about them. I was like, absolutely. I, I can't because I don't shave. And you know, I, I should probably at least like clean up my neck. So I, I'll probably uh, give Harry's a try because I don't need to have the, uh, the mangy beard that I, <laughs> that I do currently rock. I'm sure my wife would appreciate me, uh, me hitting up Harry's, uh, and, and checking that out. So, uh, when I do that, I will definitely be using that, that code blue wire to, to get that set. So, uh, let's move on though. Let's go to our lock review. We had, you know, I felt really good about my week. I felt like I was going to bounce back. And of course, whenever you think, you know, what Michigan state is, they go and, uh, and confuse you and they put up 31 points on what is proving to be an absolutely terrible Northwestern team. I will promise you one thing, boys, uh, I will not have any picks uh, for Northwestern at all this year. Remember, to... remember when I called them underrated? <laughs> no, we don't have to bring that up, Matt. That never happened. Um, yeah, so so I got that one wrong, uh, but I was I was right on my others. Uh, Tennessee at Florida, uh, that fourteen line was was just fine as they won thirty four to three. And then Oregon, uh, we were to, we were you know had a bit of a discussion talking about. Um, picking them to to get to to win by more than ten, but also go under that fifty seven and a half, uh, which they did. So that that was a really fun one. I wish I could have seen that game. It would have been fun. I, I watched, of course, the game after the fact, but I already knew the score. It would have been fun watching uh, Stanford just get crushed by uh, by the Ducks. <laughs> no, I mean yes, but Oregon is is maybe better than I want to give them credit for. Uh, but so yeah, so I I went three and one on the week. I'm up to uh, you know. Not quite respectable because I still have a losing record, but I'm up to four and six. Considering I started zero and five, I think I'm I'm, I'm pretty okay with that. Um, Matt, why don't you take us through uh, through your locks from last week? 
So I'm blaming Jordan for my week being a little bit rough because he called <laughs> out uh, that I was doing well. So you knew instant regression was coming. Um, I had Auburn, Texas A&M under 48 push. That's disappointing. Oklahoma State at Texas plus five and a half. At game time, it was seven. And it's a loss because I got my pick in too early. Right. Um, uh, Michigan State Northwestern under 30, uh, 38 and a half. What the heck? Why Michigan State scoring this week? And then I threw on there as a homer, Wisconsin minus three against Michigan, and that was a win. I'm calling that a win and a half uh, because they crushed them, and I got joy out of it. This is new, a win and a half for uh, one game. That's On my record, I, I only put one win down on my record, but it's a win and a half because I got a win in my lock and a win in my life. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I missed on the Ole Miss-Cow game. Um, I guess I underrated Cal. I thought that I thought that it was kind of a tough spot for them coming across the country. Admittedly, Ole Miss doesn't really inspire that much confidence, but I was just flat out wrong on that one. But I did hit App State uh, getting three at North Carolina. Uh, Moneyline obviously would have been a better bet, but I'll still take it. Um, And I am just just painfully mediocre on the season. I think I'm five and five and. Ugh, yeah, I don't know, boys. Well, I, w- I was talking to to Matt. I'm sure when you listened to the show last week, because I'm sure you did, Jordan. So this is all just a recap for you. But for any of you others out there that missed it, uh, one of the things I was saying is I think one of the reasons we came off to, a to well, you and I, I mean, Matt's been in Fuego, but picking so early in the week, we were recording on Mondays. I think that's so much more difficult than when you have a couple of days to kind of digest the matchups uh, and, and do a little bit more research and see what you... Where, where you want to lean. So I feel very, really, really confident moving forward. I feel like uh, we're, we're all, we're all going to just take off here and have a, just an awesome season. I'm excited about my picks again for this week. I like the ones you guys have down there too. So I, I think we're, I think we're headed in the right direction. Uh, before we do look ahead, let's do a quick recap of some of the games. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the walloping that was Wisconsin 35, Michigan 14. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Is there anything else either one of you guys want to talk about with this game? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really have that much. It was, um, <laughs> I I thought that I anticipated Wisconsin winning and probably by like maybe double digits, but I definitely, I would be lying if I said I saw coming what happened. Um, it was to the point where it almost looked like Michigan was sort of quitting, which I didn't, I just didn't expect that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much covered it. Wisconsin is, is really, really good. Um, Michigan is in a bit of a weird floundering position that they're not quite used to, I don't think. So it's, it's interesting to see where both teams go from here because they're in very different places. Um, and they're, you know, really well-respected programs. So I think it's an interesting spot for both teams. Yeah. Question for you, Matt. Uh, do you feel confident that your Buckeyes can beat Wisconsin twice this year if they need to? Yeah. Oh, I do. That was a quick, quick, quick answer. Very, very direct. Am I I worried about playing them? Yeah. I think they're the easily the toughest team left on our schedule. Sorry, Jordan. Um, But I think that they're still the same team that we've been beating for the past few years. And when you become mostly predictable, as good as Grant Cohn is, they're still not a vertical passing team that's going to really put that much fear of God into us. Um, so unlike Michigan, we have a front seven that's good and can stop the run. Now we haven't been tested quite as bad or by a team as talented as Wisconsin. So I think we're not going to blow them out. And I think Taylor will still manage to 
have a good game, but we have the best defensive line coach in the country. And I fully expect that uh, we will contain him enough. I keep saying we, and I hate myself for it. Ohio state will can. Are you, are you on payroll, bro? (laughs) I am. Um, For as as good as he is, I I think that the one-dimensional offense that they have will limit them against a team that is talented enough to slow him down. I actually, uh, I they are they're the toughest matchup, but I I do think that their their type of offense plays into the hands of what Ohio State is capable of doing. All right, yeah, that's fair. Let's uh, let's move on to Auburn, uh, Texas A and M. Uh, Auburn ends up winning 28-20. Pretty pretty big oh, performance right here for them. Uh what 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 do you think about this one, Matt? Um Auburn's defense is really good and they for the most part did exactly what I would expect them to do in this game. They are going to win games low scoring and try to not actually put Bo Nix in these big spots. So, uh I I I wasn't really surprised by this. I did it like I my pick last week said I thought it was going to be a low scoring game. I actually had already chalked this one up as a win uh, before I went out and I was real disappointed to see uh, A&M score late, but overall this, this game went about as I expected. Uh, I do still think Kellamon's a good quarterback. Um, and I think that A&M will eventually bounce back and be good. But I, I just think this Auburn team is what it is. They're a really strong defense with a, team that is going to try and limit the number of big plays that they're relying on their quarterback to do. Yeah. I, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. I'm not convinced Kellen Mond is anything special. He might just be a average, slightly above average sec quarterback. And, and that might be good enough for Texas A&M to win a, a bunch of games, but not enough to get them where I think their fans want them to be or where they want to be. Uh, Notre Dame, Georgia, a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought Georgia would cover that 14 points. Uh, Notre Dame hang t- hung tough. What, what did you, I, I, this one, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, this is not one of the ones I was able to catch uh, while I was um, hunting. This one was uh, one that s- escaped me. I saw the score and I was like, huh, that was closer than I thought. So what, what actually took place in this one, Jordan? Well, I mean, I, I Georgia, Georgia did, if you look at the box score, um, they had a slight edge in yards. Um, and they they did dominate in the run game. Uh, they rushed for over 150 yards, which is what I think most of us thought was going to happen. We figured that Georgia would sort of dominate along the offensive line. DeAndre Swift would probably play well. Um, but, you know, Ian Book made some made some mistakes. He threw two interceptions, but he, you know, he did enough to keep Notre Dame in the game. Uh Georgia was really conservative with Jake Fromm as far as the as far as the play calling. He completed twenty of twenty six, but only for one hundred eighty seven yards. So there were really short depth of target throws. Um, I was pretty impressed with Notre Dame, though, considering the spot. You know, the the night game um, at Georgia, tough place to play, loud place to play, and I thought that their defense held up pretty well. And I think that that's probably my main takeaway. Um, because I, this was a spot where things probably could have gotten pretty ugly as far as the size advantage along the offensive line. But I thought Notre Dame hung in pretty well, and it, it looks like their defense might be trending upwards, which is obviously really important for them moving forward. Yeah, real quick, um, we're not covering this game later, but Notre Dame is is favored by uh, 12 and a half at home versus Virginia. Are they good enough to, to, to cover that? 
Whew. I mean, that's a big number, but I, I mean, if I had a gun to my head, I'd, uh, gun to my head, I'd probably lay the points under 14. Um, right. But I wouldn't feel super great about it because I'm yeah, just kind of high yeah, on we're Virginia. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious if you're, if you're, if your stance on, on Notre Dame changed really, I guess I could have just been more direct in my question. I mean, I think uh, last game. Uh, yeah. I think they're better. Yeah. Real quick. I just think they're better than perhaps maybe I thought they were going into this game. So that's probably my main takeaway. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, last game. Cause we, we talked about Oklahoma state, Texas already, but uh, Washington, BYU, Washington thumped uh, the Cougars 45, 19, uh, Jacob Eason had an awesome game, uh, really efficient. Uh, but yeah, really, really good. What did you think of this one, Matt? I mean, I, I've been kind of touting Jacob Eason a lot, and it's nice to see him have good games against teams that are sort of perceived to be good defenses. And I think that while we may not have see BYU as this elite team or have any real um, – upside to them, but they are a team that you don't expect big mistakes from and you don't expect them to get gashed very often. So it's nice to see Jacob Eason have a, a strong game. I mean, 24-28 kind of speaks for itself, especially when you're averaging 10.4 per throw. It's uh, I, I'm impressed. I, I, I don't have a lot to say about this game. I didn't watch a lot of it, um, but I, I continue to be impressed with Aaron Fuller as a like late round draft guy. Yeah, and he's someone we've talked about wide receiver for for the Huskies. I, I think the the thing that I took away from this game is the fact that McGrew and Newton were able to get going on the ground for the Huskies. Uh, they kind of, you know, I mean, they were effective in all in all phases of the game. So uh, it was just good for me to see them get back to passing the foot, get get back to running the football uh, with that good de- good defense. I think it's going to really help them. And we'll talk a little bit more about Washington in a few minutes here. Uh, just a little spoiler there. Um, now, we have the good stuff here. We get to look at a couple games. Uh, we've got some games coming up quick here. we got Penn State minus seven at Maryland. Jordan, I was shocked to see what you had written down on the show doc here. So why don't you tell the good listeners why you are turning your back on your uh, on your Nittany Lions? <laughs> yeah, this is a picking with my head, not my heart. Um, I think that this is a dangerous spot, and I don't necessarily think it's, you know, I feel like it's probably pretty well known and not a rare opinion that this is a danger spot, but uh, I heard that the University of Maryland canceled classes tomorrow, uh, so the kids are going to be all revved up. I think the scene's going to be really intense there on a Friday night, 8 o'clock kick. There's, you know, It's not going to be a down spot for them at all. Uh, and we've talked before about how Maryland's roster is sneaky talented. It's It's better than a lot of people, I think, perceive it to be I know that they ran into a roadblock with Temple in their last game but I've have my doubts about Penn State just in general I really wasn't happy with what I saw when they played Pitt Um, I know there was a little bit of weather delay sort of threw things off but um, just along the interior I think they have problems on the offensive line I they did not create nearly enough pressure in that game and I know it's just one game but I think that Maryland has the talent on offense to be able to break off some plays, keep this game close, perhaps even win it outright. Um, so I'm going to side with Maryland in this spot where I think it's a bit of a bit of a danger flashing red light for Penn State here. And Matt, you're on the other side of that. Why don't you tell us why? So I, I'm with Jordan a little bit on this. I do think Maryland's a better team that they're often given credit for. But however, I, I do think that he's um, 
kind of going a little bit too far with what he's worried about with um, that pit matchup. I think that was kind of a, just a weird outing and maybe you could say the same thing for Maryland against Temple, but I'm more so leaning towards, I think Maryland may have been a fraudulent team at least in what the upside was. Um, some just key numbers that I do like seeing is Penn state's averaging 6.5 yards uh, per play. Um, and they're, very balanced in the rush. They're 49% of their plays are rush plays compared to 50.88 um, passing. I, I do like to see that balance, especially against Maryland. Um, and one of the, again, they're on defense. They're allowing only 4.9 yards per play. I just, I, I don't have a huge feel for this. I just kind of think that Penn state's a better team in this spot. And I do kind of think Maryland was a little bit fraudulent in the early season. SP plus had this line at, uh, over eight. So seeing that and seeing that I only have to give up seven, I'm just going to lean on the fact that I think Penn state's a better team in this spot. Yeah, well, that's fair. Let's, uh, let's do these other ones uh, pretty quick. Cause I want to spend a lot of time on our locks here. Uh, Texas tech at Oklahoma. Uh, you boys are on, on Texas tech. It's, it's a, tw- the line's 27. So, I mean, they're, they're given quite, quite the cushion, but I, I think with, you know, tech losing their quarterback, uh, Alan Bowman, um, is uh yeah it's going to be tough for them i think oklahoma it gets gets the win by more than more than uh, four scores here so uh i'm going ou i know you guys disagree with me uh either one of you want to give just like a a quick reason why i'm wrong 27's a lot that's pretty much what i was going to say too i could easily see <laughs> oklahoma i can see oklahoma just torching them and being completely wrong but it just feels like it just feels like too many points if it was if it was 24 or even below i might think about it but it just feels like a lot yeah, that's fair. I don't think anyone's uh, expecting this to be a close one, that's for sure. Um, this next one's interesting. Um, USC at Washington. Again, USC with a, a pretty um, pretty surprising uh, outcome last week, I thought anyway. Um, and then Washington with that nice win over BYU. So both teams uh, living, living life large right now. Both are very excited with uh, what's taking place. But it looks like uh, USC might be on their third-string quarterback. I... I don't know if we know for sure if Slovis is is back out of the concussion protocol yet. Uh, I don't think last I read that he's going to play. It looks like Fink will be back out there. Assuming Fink starts 10 and a half points, I've seen it at 10 at places as well. Uh, Matt, what do you think on this one? I actually really like USC in this spot, and I'm kind of sick of being on USC's side this year because I've been on their <laughs> side a lot this year. Um, I'd actually, the thing that frustrates me the most about them is they try to run the ball a decent amount because they have two, and I'm throwing major air quotes about this, uh, good running backs. Um, they're loaded at wide receiver, and if they throw the ball around in this game, Washington won't be able to stay with them because they have three NFL wide receivers on this team. So I'm, I'm basically banking on Washington is probably going to get the win outright, but USC's wide receiver core is just going to be too much for pretty much any defense in the country. Yeah, Jordan, you're on the other side of that. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, a coaching advantage for Washington. I know that historically uh, USC has been bad away from home um, in the last few years. And I think, like you said, third string quarterback, I think we could see sort of the same thing we saw with Slovis. He came in, lit the world on fire. Next game came back down to earth a little bit. I think we could see a similar situation here on the road in a tough environment against what I think is still a pretty good team. So, yeah, 
I'm going to save my one. This this game has uh, one or two of my, my locks for the week, so I'll give you my take when we get to that point. Uh, let's go to Mississippi State at Auburn, minus 11. Uh, Matt, you and I are on Mississippi State side. Jordan, you're, you're, you're with Auburn. You think Auburn has the, uh, the talent to get, or I should ask, I shouldn't assume. Is it that you think Mississippi State's that bad, or is Auburn uh, just good enough to, to, to win by, yeah, 11, 11 plus points. Yeah, this is a tough one because I think that the line is feels pretty spot on like for the game being at Auburn. Um, the one thing that concerns me is Mississippi State's quarterback situation is a little bit in flux. Not really sure which one is actually the better option, but not really sure what's happening there. And as far as I could be wrong, but this rolling suspension deal the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, which it just puts this so much uncertainty around the team. They don't announce who's suspended. They don't announce how many players or until like right before the game. It's just sort of a weird situation around Mississippi State. I, I don't love Auburn, especially their offense. Um, so the number worries me a bit. But I'm just going with the team that I feel more comfortable out of the two. It's a big spread, but we'll see. Yeah, and Matt, you actually – I did actually just switch my say. pick on. I just switched it to Auburn. And it's be, it's basically because of the idea that – and I was listening to uh, the Cover 3 podcast, and it does sound like Mississippi State will be missing two of their key defensive players. And if that's the case, particularly with one of them being Lee Autry, I do think this is a Jartavius Whitlow game where he just kind of is the reason why they just consistently run the ball down Mississippi State's throat. And in this – but I just kind of think as good as Auburn is, they're not going to score a ton of points if they're able to get the run game going. And with Mississippi State potentially missing out on uh, two of their best defensive players, it's just a it's a good spot for Auburn. It's hard to argue against that. I don't feel great about this one. I'm leaning Mississippi State, though. Uh, and, and a lot of it is because of the things that you said. I think they're going to be able to rely on their running game. And I could see... Uh, a lot of really long drives that that speed that game up, and it's just harder to get to that uh, eleven points. I, I think Auburn wins by uh, by a comfortable margin, but um, just hoping that uh, you know that backdoor that backdoor last last second touchdown for Mississippi State uh, is enough to uh, to shrink that lead to eight. You know, <laughs> so so we'll see what happens there. Uh, last game before we get into our locks: Ohio State minus eighteen. At Nebraska, which I gotta say, I feel really good about uh, calling them overrated to start the year. Uh, that one's looking looking mighty fine. Uh, I'm on Ohio State this week. 18's a big number, but I mean, I'm not afraid of 27 for Oklahoma. I'm certainly not afraid of 18 for Ohio State. I think Nebraska's going to struggle. Uh, they've been turning the ball over a lot. Martinez just is a <laughs> is a turnover machine at times. So I think Ohio State uh, they might score 18 points just on defense. I, I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be a uh, I think it's going to be a rough, a rough uh, outing in Lincoln uh, for for the Cornhuskers. Uh, Matt, I'll let you talk because I know you want to. I'll actually kind of defer because I, you guys may see I added a late lock, um, but I'm on Ohio State. Um, Ohio State has been doing very well against the spread this year, so I will be All taking right. them. Jordan, anything you want to add to uh, to this one? I mean, I like this number when it was under 17 because I think it opened at 15 and a half or 16 and a half and quickly got that up. Um, but I, I can't I, I can't really necessarily go against Ohio State. They look so good, um, efficient when they want to be. Nebraska's defense has been up and down. If we get the down version, it could get real ugly. Um, yeah, so I'll just lay the points um, in this in this situation. 
Yeah, cool. Well, it's it's time for for my favorite part of the show. Well, I like the Debbie stuff too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I like the locks of the week. And and this is where if you want to know where we're actually. Uh, what games we're actually putting money on. It's, it's usually not the ones we do in the preview, but it's our, it's our locks. And, and when we do that, man, uh, we go to my bookie. I go to my bookie because it is a, a great spot to, to play. So if you are looking for a place to, to bet on some games, uh, you can't do any better than my, my bookie, uh, do the smart thing, go to mybookie.ag. Uh, no one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget that where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and it's where you should play too. I wouldn't be telling you guys this if it, if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on some college football this season, bet with mybookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the college football season is the best time of year. Of course, there's also NFL slates there that you can you can bet on too so there are a lot of options so join my bookie right now uh use the code uh, the promo code blue wire and you will get your first deposit doubled so that's promo code blue wire so visit mybookie.ag today you play you win you get paid it's time for our locks of the week matt why don't you start us off as you are the the reigning champion here with a nice seven three and two record so i'll start with the one i just hinted at because uh it's it's pretty easy for me. Uh, Ohio State minus 18 at Nebraska. Early in the year, this looked like a trap spot for Ohio State. Uh, pretty much everyone who could who had a, media, a platform to speak said, oh, look out, this is the trap spot. And it very well might be. This is the number that we tend to get tripped up on. But F, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State has been crushing this year. 3-1 and one against the spread. Nebraska's only 1-3 and three against the number this year. Um Versus the spread, Ohio State is averaging 22 points greater than the line that's been put out. Nebraska's 3.8 points under. Uh, the average margin of victory for Ohio State this year has been 44.5 points. And let's be clear, they took their foot off the gas against uh, Florida Atlantic. Otherwise, they'd be 4-0, and that number would be even bigger. So Justin Fields is going to carve up a bad Nebraska defense. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to find space to run. And Ohio State's defense is not as bad as it has been or as it was last year. They've been stopping the run. The only player that concerns me on Nebraska, there's only one, is Wandale Robinson. He's basically a Rondale Moore type player. If Ohio State falls into the similar traps that they fell into against Purdue, he's going to have a very big game. He's a guy that I might slide into a couple of DFS lineups, even though I think he the team's going to lose pretty handily. But he has the potential to be the like scoring player on Nebraska. Even if he goes off, Ohio State wins this game comfortably. Yeah, um, let's let's uh, stick in the Big Ten. Why don't you give us your your other one right there, Matt? You you seem like you're on a roll here. So let's let's hear your other Big Ten matchup. Oh, I'm on a. <laughs> so my other one in the Big Ten is Minnesota and Purdue over 55. Now I saw this line and immediately I was like, okay, that number looks a little bit big. Went and jumped into uh, seeing what these teams had actually done. They're both 2-1 and one on the over this year. Um, this game's currently a pick, but both of these teams actually have decent success as an over team. Um, per, under Brom, Purdue is 9-6 and six on the over as a home team. When they're a home favorite, they're actually 7-3. and three. Under Fleck, 
Um, Minnesota is seven and four on the over on the road. And as a road favorite, they're two and oh, um, S and P plus project this game to be well into the sixties. This spot looks like, uh, it's going to turn into a little bit of a shootout and just go with the over in this spot. If you can get it at 55 and a half. All right. That's, that's some good stuff right there. Jordan, let's hear, let's hear one of yours. Sure. So I'll start out with, uh, a numbers play. Um, I'm laying three with UL Lafayette traveling to Georgia Southern. Um, This one makes me feel kind of weird because it looks like the number is just flat out wrong. Um, SP Plus from Bill Conley makes this an 11-point margin for Lafayette. So according to his numbers, you're getting eight points of value. Um, Georgia State ranks 126th in net points per drive, which is essentially their offensive points per drive and added to their defensive points allowed per drive divided by two. Uh, So they rank near the very bottom. Uh, And and UL Lafayette actually ranks 44th in the country, which I thought was pretty surprising. Um, Lafayette has three really, really talented running backs um, in Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell, and Raymond Callis. Um, And uh, Lafayette hung tough with Mississippi State, which is a big step up in competition. They did lose that game, but they competed pretty well and they've uh defeated their other three opponents by a combined score of 157 to 45 so i could be missing something because this line just does not look right and you know that happens from time to time but with the information that i currently have i will happily lay the three points here yeah (laughs) one of the things i love about your picks jordan is they're games that i would never even think about looking at (laughs) you know like uh, and and it's great because um people want to hear more than just uh you know, the, the big name, big name schools, which is kind of where I typically end up going. So, um, I do appreciate that. I think that's good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get back to, uh, just back to basics here with my picks. Uh, so I'm going to stick with what I know, and that is PAC 12 football. Now the PAC 12 is a bit of a shit show at times, especially night games. They just get out of hand and it's really, (laughs) it can be really tough because, uh, some, some wonky wonky stuff happens, but, but I want to start with, um, I would almost said my Washington Huskies, which would as a as an Oregon fan isn't allowed. But I am one of those rare people that is both an Oregon and Washington uh, fan. I know <laughs> everyone just turned off the podcast when they heard me say that because obviously I'm not a true fan. Um, but uh, my, my wife went to UW, so lived in Seattle for a while. So I just kind of have an affinity for them. But uh, I, I like this line against USC. Uh, USC. I mean, if if a couple of weeks ago we said, man, USC has to travel to Seattle with their third string quarterback. And the the line is, is is ten points. We all would have felt really comfortable uh, picking University of Washington to, to 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 get that. And to me, nothing's really changed. UW had that one weird game against Cal where there was a four hour delay. I talk about that a lot. I think this is like the third show in a row that we've talked about that. Uh, but outside of that, they've looked really really dominant. Dominant. Jimmy Lake, their defensive coordinator, um, is is just an amazing amazing coach. I think he is going to be a head coach very soon. Uh, he he's going to shut down this USC passing game with their I think both the pressure off the line as well as their their uh, secondary I think will be able to to do enough I, I think you are right Matt their their wide receivers in for the Trojans are uh, are special but I don't think Fink is going to be able to get the ball in positions for them to to do enough damage I think uh, you I think uh, USC will struggle to score uh, therefore, I'm I'm going both U- University of Washington to to get the 10, uh, 10 points, but I'm also picking the under in this game. So this is kind of like the Oregon play of last week where I'm picking them to win by 10. I'm also picking under 61 because I think this game ends up 
uh, being a fairly low scoring, but a very comfortable win for, for the Huskies. So uh, that's uh, my, my two for play on this game is University of Washington to get the 10 points and also uh, under 61. That was a lot of talking. Uh, I've got a couple more Pac-12 picks for you guys coming up. But first, uh, Matt, why don't you uh, why don't you give us another one of your ones? So uh, the, I pulled together some of the S&P Plus numbers for the the week. And the biggest one that stood out to both Jordan and I was uh, UCF and UConn. U- UConn's awful. UConn is one of the worst teams in all of college football. I, I've, uh, I've been to a UConn game, by the way, at home in UConn. Yeah. Just... Was it fun or was it just <laughs> no, like this, kind of torture? This is actually when they were pretty good. This was a, a while back when they, I forget who their coach was, but he ended up getting going somewhere uh, and then they were terrible after he left. But uh, this is when they were still pretty good. Uh, I forget their running back. He ended up going to the NFL for a while. Anyway, continue. UConn. <laughs> so, so part of my play on this is uh, just a little bit of trends. Uh, UConn is 0-3 on overs this year. So, uh for me, 3-0 and on unders. Uh, UCF, despite the fact that we kind of see them as this offensive juggernaut, they're only 2-2 two and two against the over-under. Um, UConn scored three points against Indiana. I just don't... I think they're pretty atrocious. Um, they rank 126th in the country in yards per play, 128th in plays total plays per game. SME Plus has this total actually at 47.6. So I'm getting like 17 points um for free in this spot i love it it might get a little bit sweaty just because ucf might eventually um throw for a touchdown on every single play i kind of don't care i think this spot is too pretty to pass up and i i have to take the under here all right so that's under 64 that is a that is a big number when one of the offenses can't score points so uh yeah i i was curious uh when I saw UCF UConn on there, I was curious which way you were, you were going to go go with it. So, uh, so I like that one, uh, Jordan. Uh, let's let's hear your next one. Yeah, so this one is going to be pretty quick. Um, it's Georgia Tech Temple. I'm going to take the under fifty and a half, which is a relatively you know sort of middle of the road point total for college. But we saw what Temple did to Maryland in their last game. They held them to seventeen points, and that was when Maryland was absolutely lighting the world on fire. Um, it's at home for Temple, and Temple ranks 115th in the country in offensive points per drive, and Georgia Tech ranks 123rd in the country in that same metric. So two pretty inefficient offenses. I don't see a lot of up-tempo play coming here, and I think that Temple probably wins by 10 to 14 points, but I think that it does stay under the total of 50 and a half. All right. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I'll give my next one. Uh, we've got Arizona State at Cal. Uh, the Lions four and a half, and I'm going with Arizona State on this one. Um, I think Arizona State is is a really good team. I I think this is a Eno Benjamin get right game. He's only got one game with 100 yards. I think that that changes this week. Uh, Cal's defense has been good, but it's been more um, it's been more elite against passing offenses than rushing offenses. So I think uh, I think. Arizona State is able to move the football on the ground and um, and and cover that four and a half points. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona State won outright. I'm not calling money line on this one, but uh, that four and a half points I, I feel pretty comfortable with. Uh, so yeah, so that's my one. I'm expecting a, a pretty low uh, point total. The over under I think is is 42, which would be an implied score of about you know uh, 23 to to 18 or 19 points. Um, I think Arizona State can 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 stick well within that. So I'm going that one. 
Um, and I feel I feel really good about it. I like I like Arizona State in this spot. Uh, I know Cal's been good, but they they just been traveling around the country. They've had a lot of uh, pretty rough games. I could see them uh, kind of overlooking Arizona State here and uh, and coming out a little bit flat. All right, Matt. Let's uh, let's hear hear your next one. So I and you're gonna get mad at me because I keep just adding games to my uh, list. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why I made you do two in a row. <laughs> so uh, I'll take uh, Charlotte and FAU over sixty five and a half. Florida or Charlotte is four and zero on the overs this year. Um, as a road underdog uh, under Lane Kiffin, Florida Atlantic is five one and one on overs and nine four and one as a road team. I know it's a lot of points. Uh, but these two teams score a lot of points um, against similar level of competition. So I'm taking it. It's over 65 and a half and I'll have one more in just a minute after uh, we go to Jordan. Okay. So my last play is uh, I'm a little bit hesitant on this one, but because I'm kind of on the wrong side of the the trend as far as the number movement. Um, but Wake Forest is currently laying seven or six and a half, depending on where you look. Um, at Boston College, the over/under I last saw was around 68 and a half in that area, so predicted to be pretty high scoring. Um, I do think that this game is high scoring. I'm a little bit hesitant to take the over because it's encroaching on 70 points. Um, but I think my play here is I'm still going to lay it with Wake Forest. I know that it's still early in the year, and we, you know, teams probably aren't as good or as bad as we think they are. But I've been pretty impressed with what Wake Forest has been able to do on offense with Jamie Newman, uh, Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, Kenneth Walker, the freshman running back. Um, a lot of things are going right for them on offense. And Boston College has been a little bit suspect on defense at times. Uh, since 2013, under head coach Steve Adazio, Boston College is 61% against the spread as a dog, but that drops down to 46% as a home dog. So I think that kind of balances out. Um, so, I mean, I'm just going to lay the points with the, the better offense. Um, you know, it's, it's rough cause it's on the road, but hopefully you can find a six and a half because I think that might be important. So shop around. All right. That's good stuff right there. Uh, my last one, this is my favorite one. We've got Stanford at Oregon state, uh, four and a half points again here, just like the last one. And you know what? Stanford, um, is, uh, is, is terrible. So I'm going money line here. Uh, give me Oregon state to, to win flat out at home at Corvallis. I think Sean Wilson, a cornerback for Stan, uh, for, excuse me, for Oregon state shuts down, uh, the wide receivers for Stanford. I don't think Stanford can move the ball much at all. Oregon state, I think is going to have a, a nice, I mean, it's Stanford. They're terrible. But I, I think like what we were talking about last week, Matt, I think Stanford's still getting points based on name recognition. People still just assume they're going to be decent. Uh, and if you haven't watched Stanford play this year, you don't realize how terrible they are. So so give me Oregon State to flat out win this game. Uh, if that feels a little uh, too, too, too spicy, go ahead and take Oregon State plus four and a half. I will say uh, Jamar Jefferson, your boy. Uh, who you talked about a little bit earlier in the in the season, uh, Matt? He he might not be in this game. He might be out because of injury. So if if that would happen, I might uh, <laughs> I might not go money line on this one. Um, I might just uh, go with uh, Oregon State with a four and a half. So uh, this is my big one. I, I'm excited about this. I'm I'm actually gonna sit down and watch some uh, some Beaver football this weekend, and it's gonna be it's gonna be putrid and delicious all at the same time. <laughs> so uh, th- that's my that's my bold one for the week, and I, I feel I feel. Uh, I feel excited for some some Beaver football. 
Uh, what's your what's your uh, you keep adding to the show doc here, Matt? What, what else do you got for us? So uh, my last one, because I got a little jealous that uh, Jordan was getting the credit for being the one picking uh, terrible football games. I'm taking App State <laughs> um, at home um, and against Coastal Carolina. The number I just found was at 59 and a half. App State's averaging like 45 points a game. Coastal Carolina's averaging about 35 points a game. There's going to be points scored in this game, and the analysis might be kind of simple, but SP Plus has this game. Let me look. It was in the 60s. I believe it's 62, uh, almost 63 points. I'm getting at full three points of value on this pick. I just think that these teams are relative unknowns, and I want to get in on unknown teams that score a lot of points, and that's these two teams. So uh, App State and Coastal Carolina, if you can get it at 59.5, that is great value. All right. That's a good one. I like that one. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that's some good stats right there. Uh, that, that should be, that should be a higher, uh, over under there. So, so I like that. Um, are there any, any picks that other people have made that you think are absolutely terrible and you want to call them out for them? Cause I think that should be done. Yo, you want me to crash people? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I can't. I, yeah, I was gonna say I can't. I can't talk. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, bar- I'm barely keeping my head above water over here, so I'm not gonna go out of my way to uh, antagonize anyone else. Well, I've got a losing record, so I, I'm ready. I'm ready for it and expecting it. Well, I know you're you're, you're on the come up, though, man. You're you're, <laughs> you're you're on the rise. Yeah. Well, Matt, you you uh, you picked USC, so I'm sure you don't like my my University of Washington pick. Uh, how do you feel about that over under? Um, I think that's generally fine. I think that if uh, I think if if Washington does win and you're in the right spot, then they're going to be trying to limit the number of possessions for USC, and they're actually going to just try and keep them off the field. So I do think if you're going to be on the Washington side, which you are, then I think that's the the play is that they're going to keep the score low. I like I, I want to trash your guys' picks, but I would have been on Arizona State. Um, I came very close to having Oregon State. Uh, plus four and a half. Uh, Jordan, I added to your pick by saying uh, UL Lafayette is 4-0 against the number this year. I want to trash you guys, but I, I feel like y'all went a little bit sharp this week, <laughs> and uh, I, I like it. Uh, so, no, nah, I, I got I got nothing mean to nice. say about any of you other than um, you guys didn't all pick Ohio State with super confidence as a lock, so you're just missing <laughs> out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, good. This is good stuff. I'm excited to watch some football. I'm excited to get back on uh, get back on next week and, and talk about where we were right and where we were extra right. And uh, it'll be good stuff. This is a, another good episode here. Uh, do reach out to us if you guys have any any questions or any thoughts, uh, any games you'd like us to preview. Uh, you can hit us up on on Twitter or email the email the show. Uh, you can find all of that information at the show doc um, or the show page. Sorry, over at rotaviz.com. Uh, boys, uh, Jordan, uh, what, what, what do you got in store for us this week? Debbie wise, I looked a little bit earlier in the, in, I think it was uh, yesterday and I didn't see anything up yet. So, so what are, what are you working on for this week for your Debbie article? Yeah, it should be dropping tomorrow. Um, I got, uh, a couple guys on the staff to get together and do a quick 2020, uh, rookie mock draft, including Matt. So that should be a pretty cool feature in the article. And it's just going to do my typical stock up, stock down. And uh, yeah, so there'll, there'll be some good stuff in there. And hopefully that should be coming out to tomorrow afternoon. I, I got say. sniped on Chuba Hubbard Great. in that draft. Uh, I'm real mad. <laughs> ooh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, what, what, what do you have out on Rotoviz, Matt? 
So uh, my article published today, um, it was my group of five rundown. Uh, I actually highlighted uh, two of the players Jordan mentioned on UL Lafayette, Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell. Both had very big games last week. I'm really starting to buy into Trey Regis, so uh, keep an eye on him. He He's definitely a player to watch. Awesome. That's great. I have a couple weekly articles coming out. I do a kicker streaming article, which is just so on brand for me. Do you just feel gross writing that one? Oh, dude, it's such a fun article to write because I think like people just overlook kickers and like oh, kickers don't matter. And that's kind of true in in a sense. But man, there's such a strategy that you can you can use uh, to kind of manipulate your roster if you're willing to just go the streaming route. So every week, waiver wire day, I drop my kicker and I basically have a, a free roster spot in order to to pick up whichever player I want without having to lose anyone. And then as the week goes by and injuries come in, I can move people to my IR, to my out section, or just figure out who I want to drop. It gives me an extra time to, to figure out who I want to use. So it's a really viable way to kind of manipulate your roster to get more, more advantages. But then also, like, there are very few kickers that are going to be number one or number, like, one through five each week. So, uh, yeah, just knowing what to look for really helps out. So check out that article. I've also got my do not cut list, which is basically uh, waiver wire time. People often panic, drop people too soon. And uh, you can find, uh, you can find a lot of gems on the waiver wire because of that, but you don't want to be the guy dropping like last year, Nick Chubb was 80% available the week that, that Carlos Hyde was traded. And you don't want to be the guy who drops these, these players. So uh, I've got the do not cut list and my week, my weekly streamers for kickers, which is a lot of fun, but yeah, it is a little gross. I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, but yeah, um, check out those. Rotoviz is awesome. If you guys haven't subscribed yet, I really highly recommend it. The tools that you have at your disposal, uh, the apps that we have available for you are awesome. Uh, you can really figure out so much of your own data and, and do your own analysis on what players you want to start, sit, uh, who you want to look into to buying for. And then, of course, the articles that the guys write, um, both on, on Debbie stuff, college football, and uh, your NFL content is just absolutely uh, second to none. I really am uh, proud to be part of the road of his team because it is it is great stuff. And uh, Jordan, Matt, you guys are doing awesome, awesome work as well. So I uh, definitely want to be checking that out. Uh, follow the boys on Twitter. Um, why don't you guys uh, shoot out your, your handles real quick? Jordan? Sure, I'm at jhoover9787. And I'm at Wispy the Kid. But your last name is not Wispy. Um, and, and I'm at Stay Fun Laco. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, enjoy your football. And uh, most, most of all, most importantly, let's go out there and enjoy watching um, my boys, Oregon State. Actually, they were your call to begin the year. Uh, Matt, but Oregon yeah, that's State. My let's go o- that's my second <laughs> OSU. That's right. <laughs> I thought it was your third because you got Oklahoma State uh, as your number two. But anyway, uh, Matt's Oregon State Beavers uh, stomp all over Stanford. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. JB Weld, world's strongest bond. Pros have trusted it for over 50 years. But uh, why hire a pro when you can J.B. Weld it? J.B. Weld makes it easy to do yourself. We're proud to have J.B. Weld Adhesives as a sponsor. I personally know the owner. Hung out with these guys down at the uh, car show there. And um, I have all their products. What can I say? DIY projects, good. Auto stuff, crafts, plumbing, marine. All the applications. I use a product to fix Sonny's tennis shoe. Save myself some money. Stromer used it to fix his tray on his wet saw because he's doing some tile work. 
different product, but all made by JB Weld. JB Weld just acquired Herculiner, the original DIY truck bed liner. So if you're looking for the world's strongest truck bed liner, Herculiner has you covered. It's JB Weld, right, Dawson? JB Weld is available at jbweld.com, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, Napa, O'Reilly, Amazon, Michaels, and more. And remember, JB Weld Epoxy Products are proudly made in the USA. JB Weld, world's strongest bond. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.